this month, we're starting a new uh, theme. It's called Exceedingly Abundantly Above. You know, so in, in June, we're building our faith together. There's nothing too hard for God, and He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So I just want to pray. We're just going to pray. Just close your eyes. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, for the privilege of sharing your word. Your word, Father, that brings light. Your word that brings life. Your word that brings peace. Your word that pours out love. Father, I just pray today that you will reveal to all of us what it is you have for us, the plan that you have for us, Father, the thoughts that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Like my grandfather, like I'm from New Zealand originally. I've been in Australia for a long time though, but I'm from uh, New Zealand. And my grandfather was a tohunga. Tohunga is translated as a priest in Māori, uh, and he was the head of the Ringatū Church. So I don't know how are you feeling, people. Do you think you could say Ringatū? It's not. Say it again. Ringatū. Gosh, that's pretty good. It just shows you, you know, if I put it on paper, you'd all go, ring atu. But, but because you're listening and you say it, it's just a lot easier to listen and say it. So ring atu, ringa, this is a ringa, your hand, ringa. Everyone hold your hand up. What is it? It's a ringa, that's right. And two means to stand. So if I said etu, that means to stand up. Don't stand up, but I'm just saying, two means to stand. So ringa two means upraised hand. Let your hands stand up. So at the end of every prayer, my grandfather, they used to say, Krori kitoing watapu, amen. So that means glory be to your name, amen. So that, that's, this, that, that's what the upraised hand does at the end of every prayer. So, so he loved God and he loved people. And I lived with my grandparents for four years when, from between the age of six and 10. And I remember people coming around and to get prayer and also people coming to pick my grandfather up to take him to pray for people. This was a common thing that happened all the time. And we had a friend, uh, a friend of the family that worked in forestry. And one day when he was at work, a tree fell on him. So I'm not talking like a little piddly tree, a actual big timber tree fell on him. So he was in a critical state in hospital. He had severe spinal cord injury, like he was paralyzed, he had no movement at all in his legs and his arms, nothing. And the report was that if he lived, not that he would live, but if he lived, he would never walk again. So my grandfather got a call and he prayed with him. He prayed with him and God touched him and completely healed him. And he walked out of that hospital. See, that is a God. That is an exceedingly, abundantly above God. Only God can do that. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? It blows my mind when I think about things. But, you know, I'm sure you've had miracles that have happened around you and in you and with your family. Like, it's mind-blowing. It's great to remember that. That's the faith that we need to have when we want a miracle. See, my grandfather had great faith, but his faith, was in God. His faith was in God. He knew that. And in Ephesians 3.20, it says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, the power 
that works in us. So God's able to do that. Exceedingly abundantly means beyond measure. It means beyond what is usual. I mean, we serve a miracle-working God. In the Bible, throughout the whole Bible, there's so many miracles in there. Just a couple of them were like Elisha, who was a prophet. He prayed that it would, it would not rain. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. Whoa, all the farmers would have been not happy. Like, no rain for three and a half years. I mean, that is a massive miracle. Three and a half years. Then, after the three and a half years, he prayed that it would rain. And it rained. Another miracle. Lazarus was dead for four days. Now, that's looking pretty impossible, right? He's dead, actually dead, in a tomb for four days. And Jesus rose him from the dead. Do you know that Jesus, he can bring dead things to life? Sometimes you can have things that are dead on the inside of you, but Jesus can breathe on it and bring it to life. That's the power of our God. You know, because all things are possible with him. Nothing is too hard for him. In Matthew uh, 19.26, it says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. All things, not some things, all things. In Jeremiah 32.27, it says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me? That's bold, right? But it's true. There is nothing too hard for God. Nothing at all. I mean, I just, I want you to ask yourself this question. When was the last time you asked God to do something impossible? Something out of the ordinary. Something exceedingly abundantly above. You see, because you don't need faith for things that are possible. You don't need faith at all. Most people pray over their food, for protection, for wisdom, and that's great, that's really good, but don't limit what God can do for you. You know, there should be something that you're praying about right now, something that you're asking for that is beyond you, something that you can't accomplish in your own strength. There should be something, doesn't matter what it is, it's crazy, I mean, I've got a few things, I have a big list of things, but you know, I just try and concentrate on one thing at a time, because... I know that I can't do these things without God. You know, when I'm setting my goals, sometimes I, I put them down and I think, oh, wow, I could do that by myself. So I have to upgrade them because really I, I want God's blessing and his favor and his purpose upon every, everything that I do. So in Acts chapter 3, there was a man uh, who'd been crippled his whole life. He's like, uh, just over 40 years old. He'd been crippled his whole life. And every day his family would carry him to the temple and put him outside the gate, the gate called Beautiful. They'd put, they'd put him there so that he could beg, so that he could ask people for money. So as people came in the gate, he'd ask them for money. Over 40 years, his whole life, day after day, he knew the routine. Every day, he'd get to there, ask people for money. People would come and he would, um, you know, every now and again, he'd get some money thrown in the bags. Most of them would be like when you go to Woolies or to, to the plaza or something and there's someone there with brochures and they start walking out towards you. You know, how you like, <laughs> go around. I mean, that's what, you know, or you see them come, you think, oh, uh, yeah. That's how most people treated that man. 
They don't want to come anywhere near him. I don't want to give you any coins. You're there every day. Like, nah, I'm not doing it. So, so a lot of people just wouldn't do it. And then one day, Peter and John came to the temple. Peter and John are the disciples of Jesus. And, and the man asked them for money. Now, most people were ignoring him, but Peter stopped. And Peter said to the man, look at us. He wanted to get his attention. He wanted to change his perspective. And the scripture says that the man looked up expecting to receive a gift. Now in Acts 3.6, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter took a hold of his hand and he pulled him up and instantly he was healed. This isn't just a little story. This is real people. This is people. Can you imagine? 40 years he's been there, sitting there, begging, sitting there, not being able to walk. And then he comes. Peter comes, pulls his hand up. He starts walking. So he starts walking. He is so excited. Wouldn't you be excited? I mean, man, I'm excited just thinking about it. And he started, says he took off. He was running. He was leaping. Yeah, and he was praising God. Now, when I think about that, he was running. Jesus had healed him physically. He was leaping. Jesus had healed him emotionally. Can you imagine how he would have felt for 40 years sitting there as people walked past and the only way of surviving for him was begging? He was healed physically. He was healed emotionally. And then he was thanking God. He was healed spiritually. See, God in a moment, that man was expecting a few coins. He was expecting the ordinary, the same thing that had happened the last 40 years. But God showed up and exceeded his expectation. One exceeded expectation can change. It changed his life. It can change your life. What are you asking for? What are you praying for? If you really think about it, it's probably too easy. Just with a little bit of effort with yourself, you could probably do it. Let's aim higher. Come on. God called us to exceed expectations. Not be, not be ordinary. We're not meant to be ordinary. So can you imagine how excited uh, he would have been? He, he might have been thinking, I never thought that I would walk. I never thought that I would leap. I never thought that I would run. What are you thinking? I never thought. Maybe it's, I never thought that I'd own my own home. I never thought that I'd have a business. I never thought that I'd have that job. I never thought that I'd do that degree. I don't know what your thoughts are, but what is it? What is it? You know, God, the good news is that God, you know, nothing is stopped with God. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we ask or think. You know, when I was six years old uh, in New Zealand, in Kawaro, a little place called Kawaro. Kaurau is how it's spelled, but Kawaro is how you say it. And uh, I was playing with some friends. We were on our bikes, and we went to a little area, and we were, we were thinking, let's cook some puha. So say puha. That's right, puha. Very good. You guys are doing a great job. So puha, puha is like uh, watercress. It's similar to watercress. And anyway, it was my job to cook it. 
in a hot pool. You would have heard of hot pools. This pool was 100 degrees Celsius. It was boiling. It was hot. So I'm poking the stuff around, the puha with a stick. I'm standing there. I'm six. And the bank gave way, and I fell into the hot pool at six. I, you know, I don't recall exactly what happened, uh, but I just remember hearing me scream, like, just the screaming and I just remember clawing at the side of the bank and trying to get out and falling back in and it was just went on. It seemed to go on forever. It may not have been that long, but it was a long time. You know, no one is ever that I know ever survived from that. It is um, intense. It's very, really intense. So anyway, I ended up being able to crawl out and then I, um, there was a little creek of cold water next, just, and so I sat in that, sat in that while one of my friends went and jumped on his bike and went to get my dad. I'd never heard my father swear before, and my dad came, he was crying, he picked me up, he was a mess, he, he I could tell, he didn't know what to do, and I, I felt so bad, I'm thinking, whoa, what have I done, you know, you know, because I'm just there in his arms. So he took me to the doctor because uh, there was no hospital in the little town, Kaurau, that I was from. And the doctor took one look at me and thought, oh, like, like, so he tried to cut off, well, he did actually. He cut my pants that I had on off with a pair of scissors and all my skin come off with it. My legs, I looked down and they just looked like two pieces of meat that had been cut, they, they were just like cuts through them. It was the burning or, or whatever, I don't know. But it was, they were a mess. The doctor said, you know, gather the family because like, they, they didn't think I was going to survive at all. So uh, my dad, he drove me to the, like, like Whakatane, which is a half an hour away. Yeah, yeah, Whakatane. And, and uh, it's a place, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> I am not swearing. That's how you say it. Yeah, so, so my dad put me in the car, was driving me to the hospital. Now, my grandfather was 200 kilometres away. There were no mobile phones. My grandfather and my great-grandfather were on a roof of a building 200 kilometres away. At the time that I fell into that hot pool, my grandfather stopped working. My great-grandfather said to him, which means like, what's wrong? What's the problem? And my grandfather said, it's Teresa. Now, who told him that? You know, who needs a mobile phone when you have the Holy Spirit? Come on, come on, give it up. That is, isn't that amazing? Whoa, Holy Spirit's so cool. Tells my grandfather. So they jump in, they, they, they just immediately obey, put their stuff down, jump in the car. They're on the way home and they see a car, like one of my other family members, wave them down because they're on the way to the hospital. So they actually got to the hospital just as I arrived. And uh, I was in and out of consciousness the whole time. So uh, I'm in my bed, on a bed in whatever intensive care, and they, they were around me. All my family were, that were there were around me and my grandfather and great-grandfather, they're praying. They are praying. They're praying in Māori, because it's all in Māori, so I don't have a clue what's going on, but I just hear them praying. And honestly, there was a moment, and I mean, I had so much pain going on, but there was a moment 
and that pain left my body. And then I saw a light just above my family's head and you know, I was sick, so I didn't really understand what was going on, but I remember the light speaking to me <laughs> and saying, you know, you will live and you will not die. You're going to be okay. And like, so I, I, I thought, okay. But what happened in that time, the peace of God was on me and it was just nuts. So, you know, obviously I did live, yay. I did, I did, yeah. Otherwise you wouldn't be listening to me, right? But living was just the beginning of my miracle. See, the doctors were not sure whether I would ever walk again. It took me three weeks to sit. I couldn't even sit up. So they, did, they weren't sure. They just didn't know because it had never happened before. No one had ever survived. They didn't know what was going to happen. So, uh, you know, they didn't think I would walk. But, you know, three months later, I ran out of that hospital. Yeah! Because God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we ask or think. The doctors also thought that I'd have to have continuous skin grafting. I mean, it was little, right? Six every year, they thought. I've never had one skin graft operation ever. And the doctors were also unsure of how it would affect my ability to have children. You know, I have two sons. Yeah, yeah, I had them naturally. Because God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we ask or think. I mean, that is miraculous, yes? Just like all these other miracles we've talked about. And they all involve one person. Jesus. They involve Jesus. So there's a few things that I've learned from this about, about, you know, what do I need to do to have an exceedingly, abundantly, above moment? And the first one is faith believes. You have to have the courage for a miracle. You have to have courage to believe. You know, you have to have courage to not settle for less than God wants for you. In Mark 5, 36, it says, do not be afraid. Only believe. Do you know fear is believing something that you can't see will happen? So it's believing something that you can't see will happen. That's fear. Faith is believing something that you can't see will happen. It's the same thing. Believing something you can't see will happen. You have a choice to either go to fear or to faith. Choose faith. Choose faith in God. In Hebrews 11.6 it says, But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So believe, believe, develop our faith. You know, and faith is developed by um, overcoming obstacles. Oh, yeah, I know, it's terrible, isn't it? You, like, that's how it's, you know, you don't develop faith by everything going plain sailing. You develop faith by going through trials, from overcoming obstacles, from stretching ourselves. Faith is like a muscle. Your muscles, unless you stretch them, they will not grow. Your muscles, unless you use them, they will not live. Your faith is the same. You need to stretch your faith. You need to reach out for that muscle. You need to work through things. And that's why you need to pray for something that is exceedingly abundantly above what you can do. That's how you build your faith. That's how. 
Develop those muscles. And I did. I had my foot in a boot for nine weeks. This is a few years ago now. Like, you know, it's pretty good now. I could kick somebody, no problem. But at the time, I could kick someone with the boot. But anyway, <laughs> but after nine weeks, when that boot came off, I had this skinny, piddly leg. In fact, it like was concave. Like the muscle, instead of coming out like that, you know, out that way, out that way. Oh, I don't know. You know what I mean. It, it, went, it went in that way. It was concave. I know, ridiculous, and it was, and you could see it big time, you see like, piddly little leg, strong leg, piddly little leg, strong, but what happened, to get that leg back, I had to work that muscle, so you know, you might have gone through times, and I have had times where I, I haven't felt like I've had a lot of faith, but it says in the Bible that you only need faith the size of a mustard seed, now eeny weeny, eeny weeny, and it will grow, and it will grow. So let's grow for So, you know, faith believes. Develop your faith. And you do that by coming to church, by being in a group, by reading your Bible, by praying, all those things. I mean, do we say that just because we, we want you to do it? No. We say that. We encourage people to do those things because it grows your faith. Your faith to believe in your miracles. Yeah? Your faith to believe in your miracles for your family. That's right. So, uh, that's one. Faith believes. The second thing is, faith is persistent. Keep going. Don't give up. Just keep on going. Keep on going. You know, God has a plan for you, a plan to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Actually, that's our weekly verse. I think we're going to shoot that up there. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God didn't make a plan for you for disaster. He made a plan. That's great news. He made a plan for you that gives you a hope and a future. Do you know, though, that plan is already there. It's not like he's making it as you go along. He's got a plan for you. But for that plan to happen, that's up to you. You need to believe. The faith to believe the faith to persist. God's got that plan for you. And, you know, don't let doubt and discouragement put you off. I know there's been things where I've, like, majorly failed in life. I've failed in relationships. I've failed uh, financially. Lots of things. But if I stopped there, I wouldn't be where I am now. You've got to persist. You've got to keep going. You've got to, you know, repent and leave that behind. Forgive Forgive everyone, forgive yourself, whatever it is, and move on. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and move on. That used to be this little action I'd do, because I had so many things to move on from, right? I would, you know, I'm thinking, I, I used to think, I'm picking myself, I'm dusting myself off, and I'm moving on. But do you know that, that little action was something that I had to do it, because if I stayed where I was, if I didn't persist, if I just, just stayed there, I'd still be there. I don't want to be there. No way. I want the plan that God has for me. And God wants the plan that he has for you. Yes, he does. So persist. You know, you'll be tested along the way. I know you don't want to hear it, but that's the truth. You will be. But keep going. Keep walking. Because I've got to tell you, tough times pull things out of you that you didn't even know were there. Tough times bring things that force you to think of ideas to get out of it. Tough times put intestinal fortitude 
in you, guts in you to make you keep on going. That's what happens. Tough times pull things out of you, the qualities that weren't there before. So yes, it's not fun sometimes going through an obstacle or stretching yourself, but it's not meant to be fun because that's what grows you. That's what builds your faith. So we want to faith to believe and faith is persistent. And then the third thing is to have faith in God. You have to have your own relationship with God. Everyone has faith in something. Even if you're here today and you think, oh, I don't have any faith. Yes, you do. You've got faith in something. It might be in another person. It might be in uh, another religion. It might be in another sickness. It might be, but you've got faith for something. Everyone has faith. It might be faith in failure. It might be faith in so many different things, but everyone has faith. My grandfather had faith in God, but you know, you need your own relationship with God. I grew up believing about God. I didn't have a relationship with him. And I didn't really actually even understand that I could, to tell you the truth. When any, anything would go wrong, I'd be on the phone like, hey, Grandpa, how's it going? Well, you know what? The car broke down. Can you pray? You know, seriously, something else. Oh, my gosh, Grandpa, how are you going? You know, one of the kids is sick. Like, can you pray? This is, I'm not joking. This is what I used to do. Because my faith was in my grandfather's relationship with God. Because I had seen the things that had happened around him. I'd seen the healings that had happened around him. I'd seen the life that had happened around him. So my faith was in his relationship with God. I knew it wasn't him doing it. I knew it was God. But I wanted, you know, I can just ask my grandpa and he'll pray and it'll all happen. See, no relationship. Now, my grandfather, on a few occasions, he would say to me, you know, when my toes, Teresa, are pointing upwards, which means when he's dead, like, he goes, when, when my toes are pointing upwards, don't worry about me, I'm going to be all right. I'll be with Jesus. But I want you to remember who God is. So he used to say that, you know, at opportune moments, and I'd go, yeah, 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 awesome. <laughs> Awesome, Grandpa. Anyway, can you pray for this? Like, you know, like, but, but, that, but that's what I'm saying. Because I just, I didn't have time for that. Like, seriously, like, why do that when you can have, like, your grandpa pray for you and it'll just work out? But what happened? My grandfather did die 28 years ago. And um, when he died, my whole life changed. It's like I'd never really had someone close die. And because I'd lived with him, I just had such a connection with both him and my grandmother. And I was just, I was broken. I was a mess. I went back to the tangi and uh, the funeral. And I was in New Zealand for a couple of weeks. But when I came back to Australia, I knew that something was different. Something was wrong. Something was so wrong. And I knew it was spiritual. Even though it wasn't, I just knew I, I didn't feel protected anymore. I didn't feel prayed for anymore. I'm thinking like, what is going on? You know, what is going on? And then I come back, my cat that I'd had for 10 years died. I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? My cat found it in a trailer that was dead. <laughs> then then I, got really, I got really sick just after coming back. I, I think, you know, I got so sick that I could hardly lift my head up off the couch. And I don't think I've been actually sick that much since then to tell you the truth but I couldn't I had a nebulizer that's for asthma I didn't really 
not that bad at asthmatic, but I was there, I was so sick. I, honestly, I couldn't be bothered. I, you know how you can feel sometimes, I just can't be bothered. I can't go on and I don't really care, that kind of thing. I, I was like that. So not only was I physically unwell, my head was just not good, not good at that time. And then my son got really sick. He was nine months old. He had an RSV virus, this is in Brisbane. Uh, a you know, it, it affects your respiratory system. I mean, it, you know, everyone knows if you don't breathe, you die. That's just, so it, it, there was a high risk for babies under 12 months old. And he was nine months old at the time and uh, quarantined in hospital. And anyway, when I went in to see him, oh, it broke me. He had these tubes up his nose and on his feet and everything. He's just a little baby and, and he just looked so unwell. He couldn't even open his eyes and I was just an absolute mess and I just started crying and there was just snot everywhere. I'm not joking. It was like really bad. I was just, but I, I couldn't give a stuff. That was my son. And you know something, I was thinking, what am I going to do now? I can't ring my grandfather. He's not alive anymore. I'm going to have to pray myself. What am I going to do? So this is only two weeks after my grandfather had passed away. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to pray. I know the Lord's Prayer off by heart and all that sort of stuff, but I don't really know how to pray. I don't know how to pray like Grandpa. So I'm thinking, I don't know what to do, but I just felt this sense. It was a time, you know, it was all quiet, and I thought, I don't know, I think maybe you get on your knees. So, like, I got on my knees, and I'm crying. I'm just crying, and I'm like, God, you don't know me, but you know my grandfather, and I know the awesome things that you did around him, that you healed people, that people, you know, like, were, were always better off. I don't know how to pray. I don't even know what to say. But please, heal my son. That's all I could get out. All I could get out. But do you know, my son was out of that hospital in five days, five days, which is incredible. Because anyone who had had that virus, the minimum time, even after they sort of got over it, was 14 days. That was the minimum. But he had a complete change around from that prayer. You don't, you don't have to pray eloquent. Because it's not about how you pray. It's about the power of God who answers. Always think of that. It's not you. It doesn't have to be awesome. It's the God. It's God who's awesome. So that is exceedingly, abundantly, above. When, you know, when, yeah, it was a time, like, I felt so pressured. I didn't know what to do. And that, you, you can be at your wit's end. You don't know what to do. Pray. Pray. Exceedingly. Abundantly. Above. That's how God, he does things like that. You know, you might be here today and you don't have a relationship with God like me at that time. But, I, you know, I want to give you that opportunity because God loves you. So if you could just close your eyes. You might have never had a relationship with God, but today you've felt his presence. And even in your heart, you might be feeling your heart beating a little faster. You know, very soon I'm going to ask you from your seat to raise your hand to invite Jesus into your heart. 
a God that loves you. Or you, second type of person, you might have been brought up in church. You might have gone to a Christian school. Or you might have even come along to church for a while, but you walked away because it might be because you didn't connect at the time or because of the busyness of life. Very soon I'm going to ask you to respond by raising your hand to accept Jesus into your heart. Or the third type of person is like, you might believe like I did that God was real, but you never really had a relationship with him. And if you were to die today, you're not certain that you would go to heaven. And you want that assurance. You want to be sure that you have a relationship with Jesus. And you do that by submitting to him, by surrendering your heart to him, by asking him to forgive you. And when we say a prayer together, that's what we'll do. If you're any one of those three types of people, either never had a relationship with God, but today you know you want one, or you want to reconnect to a God who loves you, or you want to be certain that you're going to heaven right now, I just want you to raise your hand from your chair so I can see it so that we can pray together. Thank you. I see your hand towards the back on the right. Who else is there today that wants to have a relationship with Jesus, a God who loves you, an exceedingly, abundantly above God who sees you, who knows your heart. When you accept him into your heart, he comes along and he starts to lead you and guide you in that plan that he's always had for you. Who else is there today? Every Christian is praying. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for every heart here today. I thank you that you see. I thank you for healing and hope. Thank you. I see your hand at the back. Is there anyone else today that wants to accept Jesus into their heart? Okay, those couple of people. We're going to pray together. Everyone together, keep your eyes closed. And if you just repeat after me straight from your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I invite you into my heart. Thank you that you love me, that you died on a cross for me and my sin. I'm turning to you to follow you. I renounce the devil and all his ways. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Show me how to live. I thank you that today I am forgiven. I am set free and I'm going to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just pray for those who raised their hand. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you are good and that you see his heart, Father. I thank you, Lord, for the plans and the purposes that you have. Lord, I pray that you bring encouragement, that you bring empowerment, that you bring strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, let's give him a hand. Yeah. So good. I love that. Awesome. We celebrate you. God is incredible. But you know what? I feel the power and presence of God to pray for healing, to pray for those, those things that are exceedingly abundantly for you. So if you can just close your eyes just for a moment, I want you to think, what is it that God was revealing to you today? that is way above what you can do on your own.
Is it restoration in family? Is it to do with finances? Is it to do with your children? Is it to do with education? Is it to do with a new job? Just give yourself a chance, one moment. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, right now, I want you to raise your hand. If that's you and you feel like, man, I've got an exceedingly, abundantly, above idea or thought, I want you to raise your hand now and I would just love to pray with you. So many hands. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that you see every hand raised. I thank you, Lord, for hearts. I thank you, Lord, for healing. I thank you, Lord, for wholeness. I thank you, Lord, for freedom. I break the power of that devil off in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, that you would pour out your spirit exceedingly, abundantly above what we could even think. Father, I just pray, Father, for ideas, that there would be boldness. I pray for confidence. I pray for the right staffing, for the right people. I just see uh, houses in Jesus' name. If you've ever thought that you never would get a house, hey, believe it. Be persistent. Believe it. Be persistent. God's got a plan for you. He'll bring the right people around you at the right time. I thank you, Father, that you equipped every person. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. He's a mighty, mighty warrior. And I love God. I love what he does in our lives. Hey, God bless you. If you uh, responded earlier, just keep coming back to church. And the second thing, like we've got a course called Alpha, which will be starting again soon. Alpha is a six-week course about uh, your journey in Christianity but it's so much fun. You get to hang out with people. You get to ask any question that you like. We'd love you to do that as well. And you can do that by going out to our next step zone just out in the foyer. But what I'd like to do is hand you back to Jeremy. God bless you.